welcome to the Taproom Exclusive. I'm your host, Dean Zarbaugh. Today's show is sponsored by House of Helga. Are you a brewery looking for some vibrant, stunning artwork to slap on that freshly bottled or canned beer? Or maybe you're starting a brewery and need help coming up with a logo. If so, contact House of Helga for all your design needs. They've worked with Masthead, Streetside, and yours truly here at the Taproom Exclusive. You can check out Kyla's entire portfolio of incredible work at houseohelga.com. On today's show, I chat with the founder and brewer of Noble Beast, Sean Yasaki, about their catchweight Kolsch. But first, a taste of what's going on in the craft beer world with this week's Tasting Glass, brought to you by Northeast Ohio Craft Brewery News. It looks like it's open season on buying breweries. Hot off the news that Fort Collins, Colorado's new Belgium brewing company was purchased by Kieran Holdings. AB InBev announced the sale of Ballast Point, which they had previously purchased for a billion dollars, to Chicago's Kings and Convicts, which brews roughly 600 barrels a year. This news comes out of left field. Details were not discussed, but it's pretty clear that AB InBev took a huge loss on this deal. Weigh in with your thoughts on my Facebook page. Former guests of the show The Bottle House announced the first run of cans last week. You can pick up your four-pack of Community Pilsner, Catacomb Vienna Lager, and Juicilla Hazy IPA at either their Lakewood or Cleveland Heights locations today. I picked up mine on Friday and they were gone by the weekend's end. Congratulations to everyone at Bottle House. You can check out my interviews with Brian Benchek and Jason Calacrecas at thetaproomexclusive.com episodes. And speaking of cans, Hi-Ho Brewing Company also released their first cans over the weekend. You can pick up your four-pack of High Hazy Ho, a New England-style IPA, at their Cuyahoga Falls taproom today. Brewbound announced their 2019 award winners last week. Cincinnati's Rheingeist Brewery took home the Craft Brewery of the Year honor, with 50 West Brewing Company being named one of the six rising star breweries in the nation. For a full list of winners, check out brewbound.com. And that's all for this week's Tasting Glass. My interview with Sean Yasaki of Noble Beast Brewing Company in downtown Cleveland, Ohio is up next. Welcome to the Taproom Exclusive. I'm Dean Zarbo. I'm here in downtown Cleveland at Noble Beast. I am with Sean Yasaki of Noble Beast. Sean, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Uh, I, I really like your guys' brewery. You've, you've been here, you guys opened in 2017? Somewhere in there? Yeah, we're pushing uh, two and a half years. Nice. Uh, it's it's nice to see. I I never really got downtown much growing up. Uh, I lived out downtown, like in like Lorraine County mm-hmm. area, so I didn't get downtown much because it was just so far away. Now, and there wasn't really a much reason to when I was growing up. Now it's nice to see places like you guys popping up because it gets me down here, and it gets me to try a lot of new stuff that I haven't tried yet. What was it about downtown that drew you over here? You know, finding a location was a surprisingly difficult part of opening up this brewery. Um, I anticipated, hey, it's Cleveland, there's lots of, you know, old industrial buildings you could throw a brewery in. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't be too hard. Um, and I expected the financing to be really difficult, and it was kind of the other way around. So, you know, I was initially looking in Lakewood. Okay. Um, you know, there's kind of a great residential base there, and there still is yet to really have a, a real brewery open up. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, that's uh, you know changing soon. Um, but when I found this, uh, this building was uh, a pretty big dump. It was pretty empty inside, but you know the uh, there had been a fire, so the ceilings were black, oh, the wow. walls were all smoke stained, uh, the floor was just that dusty concrete that is can never be cleaned. Yeah, you know? yeah. So 
but I, I saw the potential in it. I loved the location. People thought I was crazy, but uh, it's downtown, but you're on, on the edge of downtown. So mm-hmm. you have none of the inconveniences, really, of being downtown. Right. Parking is way easier. Uh, you still might pay a couple bucks to park, but there's lots everywhere. There's street parking. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do a garage. You don't have to do a valet. We're right off of uh, a couple minutes from two different, you know, highway systems. Uh, you can walk to every stadium. So, you know, I love that, and I'm a lifelong Clevelander. You know, I grew up in West Park, uh, so I was, I was pretty excited to keep, you know, Cleveland on the address. It's a really nice atmosphere. Uh, you you pretty much did most of the work here. You, got, you pretty much built this place from the ground up, didn't you? Yeah, it's all uh, brand new, um, you know, plumbing, electrical. There wasn't a piece of glass <laughs> in this whole building. <laughs> wow. So um, a glass garage door behind you, we cut that out of the wall and put that in. The garage door is in the front, but it's just a solid, you know, panel door. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's um, a pretty big transformation if you've ever seen any of the original photos. It's surprising. I, I'll, have to, I'll have to find some of those. That would be really interesting to see. Uh, we're sitting here. We're looking right at the, at the brew house here. Talk a little bit about that. What's, you, got, you also just got some new tanks, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that week. put your capacity at now? Oh, let's see. That, we just added 40 barrels, and we had um, 50 before. Nice. Yeah. Three ten barrels and a twenty. Um, so these are uh, German-style horizontal lagering tanks. Okay. Uh, so the idea is uh, to be able to ferment in our twenty-barrel tank, uh, send the beer over at the tail end of fermentation to finish in these tanks and age. Um, hopefully, will give us the capacity and time to actually do some lagers. Typically, you know, uh, I still brew lagers here and there, and I love doing it, yeah. but it always screws <laughs> things up really bad because <laughs> we previously had four fermenters. And yeah. You try and leave a beer in the tank for a long time, and then all of a sudden you're out of seasonals. Right. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it never worked out balance. Uh, yeah, too well. But. Uh, well, it's, it's nice to see uh, you guys have a, a lot on, on tap right now. Um, we're drinking, we're both drinking right now the, the Catchweight Kolsch, a great, great Kolsch style. Uh, what was it about the Kolsch style that drew you to, to brewing it? You know, I went to Germany um, a few years back for just a little beer vacation. I okay. uh, went to um, Cologne and Dusseldorf, you know, two Rhineland cities uh, that are known for making ales where you know, Germany is predominantly lagers outside mm-hmm. of wheat beers. And just fantastic beer culture in those cities. You go into these you know, original pubs and you just get these tiny little stanges, I think they're mm-hmm. 20 centiliters, so like half of this. Okay. Um, and it just keeps coming, it just keeps coming, you know, until <laughs> you put your little coaster on top of your glass, they just keep bringing you these tiny little beers. Uh, and it's just so fun and it's so easy to drink. So I, I always knew I wanted to do like um, Kolsch and Alt as kind of two of the house beers. And the, the challenges with Kolsch are, are you know, numerous. Um, for such a simple beer, I, I honestly think it's the hardest style of beer to brew. Outside of some maybe very obscure things like, yeah, you know, yeah. Alambic style or something, which right. is also very difficult. But it's just so simple. It's so clean. There's nothing to hide behind. Right. Even in German pills, you've got a lot more bitterness and hop flavor here. You just got this like t- transparent, delicate malt flavor. You have to balance the mouthfeel, the water chemistry. Just stands out so much more. Just a touch of hops, but yeah. not much. I like this style. It it's nice. Like you were saying, you can kind of you don't have to f- stop after like a couple. You can you have a few. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to drink. This is is a style that I was sort of unfamiliar with before doing the show, and I've gotten to. This has started to become one of my favorite styles. I, I really like if I go to a brewery, if the first thing I see on a tap list is a Kolsch, I'm going to try that first because I really want to know 
where the scale of mm-hmm. talent is on on the brewer side because like you said there's nothing to hide behind behind in this so if you don't knock it out of the park it's pretty apparent right away yeah and while this um you know seems to be a, a popular beer here it's very frustrating to me because i still don't like it <laughs> <laughs> I, i've gotten a lot of other beers that we brew continually mm-hmm. to a point where I'm, I'm very happy with you know you're always looking to improve but this Absolutely. one man is just it's just hard is it just because of that, the cleanness of it, you, where just the slightest tweaks here and there could potentially have disastrous effects? Yeah, you know, effects? a, a Kolsch should be a pretty dry beer. You want it mm-hmm. very well attenuated, but at the same time, when you know when you do that, that's where kind of like some of the more harsh characters can come out a lot okay. easier. You know, uh, some astringency and just kind of like rough ends from you know the malt character. So it needs to be very dry, but it needs to be very soft and have a little sweetness to it. And it's really hard to like achieve both those things because they're mm-hmm. they're kind of uh, at odds with each other a lot right. of times. So. How did you find the that sweet spot then when you were, like, how many batches did it take to kind of get this to dialed into where you, you were happy to have it on tap? Well, I mean, it's, I've always been happy to have it on tap, but that's what I'm saying. It's, it's still, this one is still work still in progress more than okay, others. Gotcha. I think we're on batch, like, 25 or something, Oh, too, nice. So we make quite a few of them. Little in- incremental improvements here and there and yeah. keep building it up. I mean... If this is if this is where it's at in the beginning, man, I can't wait to see where it's at at the yeah, end. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. we'll get there. But hey, that's that's the science behind this. You know, there's that art and science uh, combination in it. There's always that that strive to improve everything and, and make sure that you're putting out the best product there is. And uh, like we, I was saying off air, this is one of my favorite cultures in Cleveland, and I, I really can't wait to keep seeing it improve. Yeah, I don't know why I'm talking down on this beer so no, much. No, no, no. It's nothing, it, it, it there's is a very nothing, nice beer. It's, it's not a, that you're talking down on it. There's, it, it it's the, almost the opposite. You're like, I like this, but you know, you know that you can still find things that can be slightly better. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's not a dig on the beer. That's not a dig on you at all. That's just the evolution of, of brewing. And why yeah, I can't do one it. of the challenges that's super fun is that constant pursuit for like this minute little you know yeah. perfection that nobody really notices or cares about <laughs> except for you and see like that's for me I don't to to have the kind of patience that you do to do you know, let's say 25 batches of this to, and you know keep getting it man like I I would have stopped like so yeah. long just for <laughs> me because I don't have that kind of patience I can't I can't do what you guys do, so I definitely applaud that. Starting in Cleveland, so you, what What got you into beer itself? What was it that pushed you into actually wanting to, to do this for a living? Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, I just kind of got into craft beer, you know, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, started homebrewing. Uh, never really, to be honest, I was never a very advanced homebrewer. I didn't, I didn't really do it that much before I had an opportunity to... You know, jump into uh, you know commercial brewery, mm-hmm. but I, I've always just kind of loved I love things that people put passion into. You know, whether that's uh, you know food, a beverage, furniture building. You mm-hmm. know, a- anything as mundane as you know uh, doing drywall. But if yeah. you're if you take it to a level where you're a craftsman, you know, um, I, like I always appreciate that. So that was like the initial draw. It's, just, it's very interesting, you mm-hmm. know, and you can learn so much about it. And well. It's, Fun thing to learn about. It's a fun yeah. thing to drink, and you know, it's uh, there's a lot worse things that you could be uh, <laughs> uh, interested in. Right, absolutely. Um, and so, you don't really have any sort of science background. Nothing. You just kind of were like, you know what? Let me just pick this stuff up and see how it goes. 
Yeah, no, I mean, uh, education-wise, I have a business degree. Nice. Um, I've always been kind of uh, technically minded, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily on the, the science side. That's never been a, a strength of mine, but, yeah. you know, more on a, on a mechanical okay. um, level. Uh, so, you know, it's super cliche at this point, but that mix of art and science, you know, it's just kind of the sweet spot for me. And that's just kind of how I've always, you know, thought and worked. Absolutely. It, it shows in the work, too. Um, talk a little bit about the growth from from the day you opened to now. I mean, you got these new tanks that you guys put in, which is awesome. What's it been like kind of in that two almost two and a half year span? Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot more successful than anticipated, which has been great. You know, at this point, we've probably we've expanded tanks like four times. Always, oh, always wow. like really small. Yeah. The first one we just got this small like uh, five barrel blending tank. Uh-huh. Uh, used it to carbonate uh, barrel aged beers and okay. and blend things from there. And it's also nice. We'll do like a half batch here and there of something that's going to be difficult to sell ten barrels of you know <laughs> yeah. in a timely manner. So we'll do a little half batch of that. Uh, and then we ordered you know another bright tank, a serving tank for our cooler. Um, oh, nice. Kind of, that was a bottleneck there, and then uh, we got the three fooders at the front of the building. So that's kind of long-term uh, mixed culture sour program. Uh, top one has a huge barley wine called We Don't Rat, We Don't Run. Seventeen percent. Oof, struggle to get to seventeen percent, but uh, yeah, it's actually tasting uh, really, really nice. Uh, yeah, and then we just added these these two lagering tanks. So. That's awesome. Uh, it, you know, talking about the success of this place. You go into any of the craft beer Facebook groups right now, and somebody's coming into Cleveland that hasn't been here in a while and wants mm-hmm. to check out the brewing scene. They're always asking for recommendations, and it's really cool to always see Noble Beast right there in one of yeah, the first few that's comments. Yeah, um, that's a great compliment. I love that. I don't, uh, I don't do too much personal Facebook myself. Um, Good so, for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, no regrets there, but people people always tell me that, so that, it's great to hear, you know kind of the business plan was always um you know it was to keep it simple and do what we we love this is still a passion project um but to to do that i knew you know you obviously have to be a profitable business yeah so i was approached it as like how how can we make this small business as profitable as possible so that we can afford to do what we really want to do right do what we love and not you know have to cut corners or you know uh look for alternative revenue streams that are not as fun Um, yeah so, you know, food was always a huge um, part of our plan. And um, James Redford, the chef, you know, my business partner, has just been doing an incredible job in the kitchen. And so, you know, we wouldn't be getting that praise on the beer alone. It just wouldn't right. be happening. So it's just kind of that full package of uh, really great, uh, creative, innovative food. You know, good beer, um, great environment, great service. Yeah. You know. I, I went to Night at the Bruseum and... I kept going back to your guys' table with my food tickets because, like, uh, that was – it was just out of this world. I, I like you guys do stuff that you don't normally get at a lot of the breweries around town here either. Mm-hmm. So it it's unique to you guys, and it really shows in, in the passion that you guys have for the product when you put it out at the end of the day. It's – it shows, man. I mean, you guys do a really good job down here. Yeah, thank you. And very much. Um, I just want to say congratulations on all the success. And anything else you wanted to talk about as far as catch weight goes, uh, pairing options with uh, with your food menu? What would you say would go uh, well when drinking the catch weight? You know, I I, would, I think uh, like the coast would go really nice with uh, some of the lighter salad options. If you've got a delicate food that you don't want to overpower, mm-hmm. this is a nice beer for. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, I think um, anything like that would pair very nicely. Uh, anything else about Catchweight you want to get out before we head out? No, I don't think All so. Right, just making sure. <laughs> yeah. Tune in next week for another all-new episode here at Noble Beast.